Tavern Squad is a tabletop RPG podcast that features adult themes and language. Listener discretion is advised. Take a moment to like and subscribe. Take a couple moments to leave a review. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, and Twitter. Or visit tavernsquad.com for more of our content. Since the dawn of high fantasy RPGs, there has been no greater stage for a story to be told or to begin than a tavern. The mythical epicenter for both adventure and drink alike. Armed with their dice, tankards, and creative expression, five D&D nerds quest for glory and to keep traditional narrative cliche alive. This is Tavern Squad. Hello and welcome to the Tavern. I'm your Dungeon Master, your Innkeeper, and your host, Connor Everly. Here with the fourth installment of our main campaign, our Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition homebrewed campaign, which we still don't have a title for! <laughs> uh, and today our cast is the usual squad. Uh, you do know them. You do love them. <laughs> I swear to God you do. Today, uh, we are going to start with... Andre playing Tums. How you doing today, Andre? Oh, me? Oh, sorry. I was just a uh, little little lost there. I was fidgeting with my roll 20 again and my uh, my my beyond 20 sheet. I was trying to make sure that I had a dead pigeon on a stick <laughs> in my inventory. So, we got that squared perfect. Away. Um, I'm doing all right. Uh, feeling good today. Ready to record, ready to get back to, you know, like totally wrecking uh, squid monsters with bow and arrow. Uh, crushing it when everybody else is having critical failures. <laughs> Do you mean worm so, monsters? Yeah, worm monsters. Big tentacled creatures. What, Scott's beaks? That's true, they're both. Yeah, they, they got a little bit of everything going on, but they also got an arrow in the face, so that, <laughs> that felt good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it was a lot of fun to, to witness uh, your your grand success, your uh, your ascension from yeah. mailman <laughs> to monster killer. <laughs> yeah, straight badass. For real. And uh, next, we have Dan the Mystery Man playing Roy Nar. You're not going to ask how I am today? You don't care? No. <laughs> All right, Dan. fine. Well, I don't care either. Um, I know you're good. If you're as good as you look, then you're doing great. <laughs> oh, how cute. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, feeling good. Uh, Roy is actually probably not feeling very good. He uh, took a few shots uh, in the combat last time. Um... But, you know, he's kind of feeling out the party as it goes. Kind of concerned about all the goings-on uh, at Barazle's point. But it's just something to figure out. Absolutely. There's a lot to be concerned about, and there is certainly a thread that needs to be pulled. Or multiple threads. All right. Thanks, Dan. Next up, we're going to have Jessica McGarry as Jessica... As Jessica Slitherspoon. <laughs> uh, we're going to have Jessica McGarry as Cecilia Slitherspoon. Hello. Cecilia Slitherspoon, Cecilia Slitherspoon, Cecilia Slitherspoon. <laughs> I don't know if you guys heard me in the very first episode when I'm like introducing myself. I totally botched my name, and that's because I had a hard time with SHs growing up. It's a fun fact. Um, speech therapy. Don't be embarrassed. Take it. Yeah, I had a problem with R's. What was it? The, your stuffed animal's name? His name was Parker, but everyone... I, I sounded like a little Boston boy, so I was like, Parker. <laughs> His name's Parker. So cute. My name's Connor. <laughs> <laughs> With an O. Um, 
With an O Y. <laughs> not an not an A H. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, no. Cecilia um got real, real badly injured during her last match. Yeah, nearly died. <laughs> Just like picturing Aunt May trying to block up my stomach bleeding profusely and thank God the tortoise man came and healed me a little bit. Like I think my my health is like six right now. So um G three carried me back to the um, museum, Brasley's Point Museum, after that epic battle, in which I feel very embarrassed about, personally. Um, so I need I need to heal the F up. And then also that hand that Aunt May cut off from one of the undead, we put in a box, and then it was gone out of the box. So we need to go track that down. Um, lots of things to do in order for me to, to come back and fully reunite with the uh, clan of the Crested Sawaro. So, excited about that, though. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Jessica. And last but certainly not least, we have Sean Paul playing Guard 3. Oh, hello. So, uh, yeah, that was an adventure last time. I think uh, out of the group, G3, you know, managed pretty well in the uh, face of this little kaiju situation. And, uh... Yeah, unlike the rest of the group. So I think he's pretty excited to be embroiled in a investigation that's getting a little off the rails here. Absolutely. So that uh, concludes our introductions and our recap. Late afternoon sunlight filters through the multicolored stained glass windows of the Barasley's Point Museum filling this etched marble cathedral with kaleidoscopic light. The only sound that can be heard bouncing off of the stone halls is the labored breathing of our wounded party members as they file in to the welcoming room. Aunt May stares in disbelief, slack-jawed and silent, at the chest that is hanging open empty. The fetters that Cecilia wrapped around it shredded. Can I do like a perception on like, number one, how the box was like opened, and then number two, can I look around? Obviously I can't move very much because I'm in G3's arms, but like try and see if there was like any like sludge or some indication of where it went. Sure. So that would be two different roles. If you want to investigate how the hand made its way out of the box, you will need to do an investigation. I will allow you to get your advantage for your monster hunting abilities. Okay. So I got 22 to investigation. That is more than enough to realize. Looking at this box, you see that there is clear crushing and splintering of the wood. It looks like the mouth in the palm of the hand had gnawed through the wood painstakingly. You even see a little tooth broken off stuck in the wood with a little bit of goop trailing off of it. And after it gnawed its way, kind of cracking open the lid, it did the same thing with the fetter that you wrapped around it. It shredded it up with its teeth. Okay. I want to take that tooth and wrap it up and store it in my pocket. All right. Reaching down from being held aloft in G3's arms, you pluck the tooth out and you wrap it up. You can add that to your inventory. Cool. 
Um, and then the second roll was to see where it might have gone. I'm assuming down back in the um, drainage, or what is it called? The, the drain. Sewers. Yeah. yeah, into the drain. So, um, so that was the first roll. So the second roll, I'd like to determine where the hand ended up going. I would assume back in the sewers, but... You can go ahead and make a survival roll. Again, you can get advantage. Survival. So for survival, I got 20, not natural. So with that 20 for survival, you can tell that this hand must have some sort of intelligence. It does leave behind this sort of greasy slime in a trail, but it looks like it pools around the drain, but it looks like there is a separate trail that weaves around into the eastern wing of the museum. To the eastern wing, party! And I like tap G3's chest. Please! <laughs> I think uh, G3 would kind of flip you around and instead of holding you over his shoulder, uh, would like prop you up like a ventriloquist dummy in his like nook of his arm. And then, uh, yeah, <laughs> you're like a little boat captain sitting there pointing pointing forward and I'll Sweet. <laughs> follow your lead. Thank you. Well, G3 will follow your lead. And Roynar and Tums, what would you like to do? Uh, yeah, well, hold up. Where are we going? What, what's happening? My Aunt May caught an undead's hand earlier. We put it in that box that's clearly shredded open. Uh And I think it tried to deceive me by looking like it went down the sewer over there where that puddle is. But Uh I am extremely perceptive when it comes to these undead due to my training. And I think it went eastward that way. Yeah. So so sorry, did you say it was a a demonic hand? Yes. An undead... uh, zombie hand, right? You're wrong. Fuck, what is it? Well, I need to be right. I know what the fuck I'm talking about in character. It, what a, is it? It's a demon's hand. A demon's hand. But you keep, you've said more than once that it's undead. Fucking and I have definitely taken that into consideration. Cecilia would have known that. It's Jessica who's fucking up. Yeah. Because Jessica does not know the difference <laughs> between the three. <laughs> Please, almighty DM. Well, look. How about this? How about this? Yeah, it's uh, undead. Wait. Fuck. No. I've been saying the wrong thing this whole time. I mean a demon. It's a demon hand. Of course it's a demon hand. My father would be ashamed. Fuck. (laughs) God damn it. Anyway, let's go to the fucking east. Come on. So, so wait. Like, I was just tagging along for the ride. Why Why are we hunting a demon hand? Why Why are we following after it? All of that was terrible just now. And everybody's pretty beat up. Listen here. What was your name again? Tums? Is that right? Yeah. Tums? My friend. My dear little goblin creature. What you don't understand here is the importance of us getting rid of this evil that is in our city. The reason why those giant worm things were out here in the first place is because they probably got kicked out of their home beneath the sewer. This is a problem that all of us are going to have to deal with. Like, the law and and you, Mr. G3, you guys are out here because there's been disappearances, right? Do you think there's not a connection between the demon hand and the sewers and the missing people? Like this is a this is a problem that affects all of us. Well, I, I guess maybe that's why Jerry never came back to the mailroom. Uh, I'll, I'll come along, but uh, I'm not leading the way. Oh, don't worry, I will lead the way. This is 
Cecilia's uh, spoon mission. I think clutching his wound, Roy would walk up to Tums and kind of clap him on the shoulder and say, Oh, little goblin man, you've got nothing to worry about. If this undead hand is anything like that pigeon you just killed, you'll be fine. <laughs> Gee, thanks. <laughs> Aunt May turns her attention away from the chest, looks at your party, and then looks back to the slightly bloody trail that you have left through the museum. <laughs> um, well, I should probably clean this up. If you don't mind, I'll, I'll just be out here in the main room. That sounds good, Aunt May. I think uh, Sir Roynar told people to come down and help protect you. So be keeping your eyes out for that and um, and heal up yourself, too. You took a really big blow with that top of the sewer lid. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to get some rest, but I should really clean this place up. I don't think my supervisor's going to be very happy with the state of this whole place. Vinegar works really well against demon blood, just for the record. Oh, perfect. I have so much vinegar lying around. Great. That helped. And Aunt May kind of sees herself off to a small janitorial closet where you see her start gathering out like a mop and a uh, bucket and, and a bunch of vinegar. <laughs> so much vinegar. And as we're making our way to the East Ward, wherever it is, I am going to say, you know, Tums, I think you are right. We do need a heal. But my curiosity has got me piqued. I need to go see where he's going. And maybe close off the entrance to where he's gone and take a nap. I, I just say proceed with caution is what I'm getting at. Nonsense. <laughs> caution is nowhere in my vocabulary. Onward. Yeah. <laughs> Miss Cecilia, can you please stop treating me like a horse? I am a construct guard. You don't need to say yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Mr. Metal Man. I am not intending to be rude. I am just overly excited and flustered that I have misnamed this undead hand. As I just said it again. Demon! Demon! Demon hand! I'm sorry, G3. You're right. It's been quite a day. Can we please, please go to the Eastern Ward? I'm dying to know where this demon hand has gone. Lead on. You continue forth into the Eastern Hall of the Barasley's Point Museum. As it is the late afternoon, a strong beam of light no longer filters through these windows. It is more dull, slightly darker. Still multicolored, but the lack of pure sunlight makes it dim. You all see three statues along the east wall. One appears to be a strong half-orc character. The other appears to be a lizard folk, wearing what looks like a pleated cloak that has thorns along the pleats. The third character is a human, somewhat nondescript, holding a staff and adorned in robes. Heading down the hallway, you see the pedestal upon which a accursed book lies. Oh shit, yeah. Following this slime trail. Cecilia, I would like you to make another survival check. I got a 19 to survival. So, Cecilia, you see that as this creature slides itself along the floor, it loses some of its goop, and so the trail becomes harder to follow. But you can pick up some minute traces, and you see that this creature has gone around and behind the pedestal. From your current vantage point, which I would imagine is at the far end of the Eastern Hall, 
You cannot see where else it has gone. We should go check behind that pedestal. Arms at the ready, please. <laughs> Who is healthy enough to like actually? Here, G three, can you just set me down, please? And can you go? Can you go check behind that pedestal? Uh, G three, you know, gently sets her on her feet, um, and then he'll look over to Tom's tiny goblin. Your aim is impeccable. Will you cover me? Yeah, I got you, man. Thank you. And uh, he gets his bow ready. And uh, yeah, G3 is going to pull out his giant battle axe and kind of do a, a stance where he's pointing the blade forward. Very uh, like CSGO tactician. He's going to round that corner and see what's behind it. G3, I would like you to either make a perception or a survival for me. I'm going to go ahead and roll a perception. Sounds like a plan. And G3 got a 10. So, following a little bit of Cecilia's directions, you go to the far end of this pedestal. Looking at the book, it appears to be bound in patchwork leather. Something about it is a little bit disconcerting. You see the diminishing slime trail at the end of the hall start climbing up the wall and behind a burnt tapestry. With his battle axe, he's gonna go ahead and kind of push the tapestry to the side. Do I Do I perceive it? Would you like to make a perception for me, Tom? Sure. Rolled a, a nat 20 for <laughs> 22 total perception. Fucking A! So, G3, with your 10 perception, you scoot back the tapestry and you see that the slime trail ends completely on the stone wall. Tom's with your natural 20, you see a malevolent little hand perched atop the curtain rod, its fingers wiggle, and this disgusting mouth missing an incisor smiles before falling downwards, going and falling towards G3's head. Okay, so I've had my, my bow is ready. Can I loose an arrow? I will say yes, you can loose an arrow, but I'm going to give you disadvantage because you see it as it calls out and plummets. So it is a moving target. Okay, disadvantage. And so that'll be... We have a 22 and a 16, so the disadvantage takes the 16. With a 16, your aim, as G3 said, is impeccable. You manage to hit the falling hand. Go ahead and roll your short bow damage. Yay, Tums. Okay. Nice shot, little dude. Uh, it's going to be four piercing. The arrow sinks into what would be a forearm, kind of the ass end of this hand creature. <laughs> you can't tell how hurt it is because it is still calling out wildly <laughs> as it plummets down towards G3's head. G3, this creature is going to make an attack. Jesus Christ. Hey, let's keep up the tradition. It rolls a natural 20. Oh. As you look up, you see this palm just slap you in the face, and it starts <laughs> biting at the fine facial features on your faceplate. Jesus oh my God. fucking Christ. I'm so glad I hung back. I would be dead. <laughs> it... It deals 12 damage to you, G3, and because you are no longer in a rage, you will take the full 12 damage as this thing just clamps on to, I would say, maybe your jaw, and it just starts crushing inwards. As you hear it, like, as you feel the pressure crunching on your jaw, you can also hear the sound of, like, splitting teeth and bone. This creature is destroying itself to bite you. 
G3, what would you like to do as this little hand thing has bitten on to your jaw and doesn't seem to be letting go? Surprised and panicked because it got him right in the, right in the face. He's going to go ahead and take his battle axe and kind of mimic what shaving would be like, but he wants to, like, shave off this hand. <laughs> um, what would I even roll for that? Is that an attack? Yeah, you'll roll an attack. Okay. So, yeah, going ahead with his great axe here to shave this hand beard off. Roll to 23 to hit. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah that would be considered a close shave. Uh, you managed <laughs> to bite that axe right into this hand. Uh, go ahead and roll damage. Uh, damage is going to be 13 slashing. All right. So as you bring the blade kind of down your jaw, you bite into this creature and you split the hand in two with a final... You shave it off of your face. It splits open with this goopy, somewhat coagulated red blood as it falls limp to the ground, destroyed. I think G3 would go ahead and, you know, when people kind of shift their jaw to crack it, he kind of surveys the damage while doing that to make sure his uh, chiseled metal jaw is still intact. And as you shift it, you realize you have taken a substantial kind of denting damage, but as you shift it, some teeth fall out of your jaw that aren't yours. Ooh, gross. Uh, G3 just looks down and goes, oh, and then looks back to the group. Excellently done, excellently done. I am proud of both of you. Can I have its remains? G3 just looks with a long stare like, okay. Yeah, at this point, now two people in our party are carrying, or want to carry around, uh, the dead remains of creatures. Mine's cooler, though. That's a little weird. (laughs) I don't know, there's a lot of uses for a pigeon on a stick. Let's just be real about that. (laughs) There really is. So after the commotion has kind of died down, Roy, um, hanging back, trying not to injure himself further, looks at Tums and says, What I say, just like the pigeon, huh? And as he moves by Tums, he's going to make his way over towards the half-orc statue uh, and begin examining it. So as you look upon the statue of the half-orc, you notice that despite the toll that time takes on carved stone, this statue is in fair condition, except of course for the broken sword clutched in the fist of the figure's left hand. Looking at the facial features of the statue, you see a resemblance to your father, your brother, and maybe even a bit of yourself. What remains of the broken blade has a script written upon it. It's hard to tell exactly what it says, because it looks like someone tried to etch it out, but you know the delicate curvature of the hilt. You recognize the pommel of that sword. Looking at the base of the statue, the first name is carved out, but you see the last name. Karagark carved into the stone. I think there's a little bit of shock that uh, registers with Roy as he's looking at the statue, although uh, he sees some resemblances in the features of the orc. That's not that uncommon. Um, But seeing the name, which is his name, he's definitely surprised. Although recognizing the sword, it does make a little bit of sense. Your interest is piqued a little bit further. You didn't know that someone of your lineage had a statue in a museum somewhere. You examine more of the statue and looking behind it on the back of the pedestal, there's a symbol carved into the back of the pedestal. 
and it bears a striking resemblance to his symbol. Tell me, Roynar, when was the first time you saw this symbol? As Roy sees this mark, uh, and the chill runs down his spine, a flash of memory kind of zips through his head, and he's brought back to when, maybe ten or so years ago, he was a younger, younger half-orc, just outside his father's smithy on the west side of the Hescocosa Desert. He saw a man ride up in fine clothes with this sigil etched onto the back of his cloak. And as this man rode up to your father's smithy, he came right up to the forge and dismounted. And after sharing a few words and passing a purse of gold to your father, you see that a bargain was struck. You know, at this point now, Roynar, that this was not the first bargain that would be struck between this man and your father. At the time, you had no idea where these bargains would eventually lead. Jolting back uh, to the museum, I think Roy would kind of have to take a minute to collect himself. He was not expecting to see this, um, and I think he would be looking for answers. So he would turn and try to stride back towards the main entry to speak with Aunt May. As you're walking past, like, oh, those are cool statues, huh? I think that lizard folk might be from my lineage, given it's probably from the clan of the Crested Sawaro. Do you recognize your orc, dude? Well, it's strange that you think that would be from your lineage, as I'm fairly sure that that half-orc is uh, in some relation to me. We at least share a name. What? But anyway, I, I'm going to speak with your aunt. Ooh, I'll come. And upon the mention of Aunt May, you see her arrive in the doorway with a mop clutched in her hand like a weapon. It still drips with this slightly bloody water. I heard some screaming. Is everything okay? We killed the demon hand! Huzzah! <sighs> Aunt May sighs and a clear relief washes over her as her shoulders relax. And she looks at you all. Well, thank goodness that business is straightened up. Is everyone okay? I mean, we're all pretty messed up. And I think we probably need to guard the book. So I think... Speaking for myself, at least, I might want to spend the night next to the book or get some rest in the meantime. But Roynar, Sir Roynar here, and I have a few questions about these statues. I think I asked you before, but I'm hoping for more clarification. Aunt May looks to you, Cecilia, and says, that's right. I, I can tell you what I can. And she looks over to Sir Roynar. Um, yes, Sir Roynar, what can I help you with? What questions might you have? Uh, I'm wondering if you can tell me who these statues are of. Uh, both the lizard folk and I seem to be descended from whoever these people were. Oh. A look of surprise washes over her face. I, I see. Well, that's rather exciting. I don't know enough specifically, but what I can tell you is that these three figures, this lizard folk, this half-orc, and this human, as I told Cecilia before, they were a group of the hundred-year heroes. They were able to wrest the Kota Danov, the, the lesser book of demons. That one right there. Exactly right. They were able to wrest it out of nefarious hands. All we seem to know is the last name of this half-orc. His last name is Karagark. We don't know much, unfortunately, because some centuries ago, back when Barazle was still its own city. The museum was ransacked 
You see, the Cote de has sat in these halls before, and it had been stolen before. And these three, these figures, were able to return it. And that is how they earned themselves the immortalization in stone in these halls. But someone came years ago and vandalized the statues. We don't know their names besides Karagar. Roy would nod and then bring Aunt May over to the statue and discreetly he would gesture towards the sigil and he would mutter, and this, have you ever seen this before? Aunt May looks at the sigil and cocks an eyebrow. Well, I have seen this sigil before. When I first started working here, these statues were already vandalized and this symbol was already carved upon the statue. I was curious and I did a little digging, and this sigil is known as the Imprisoned Sun. It is a symbol that often shows the the Ring of Tlayutan. As you know, it's a time of darkness and interplanar connection. See, in earlier days, centuries ago, whenever the Ring of Tlayutan would dawn and that purple ring of flame would seemingly imprison the primary star, People believed that the sun was imprisoned. It's a symbol of dark deeds and turmoil. Some folks have adopted this symbol. Some have even altered it slightly, using the same aspects, but in different configurations. All of them seemingly point to the Ring of Tlayutan, the weakness of the veil, and the rise in the interplanar connections. The times of chaos. I don't know much beyond that. I'm sorry. No, thank you. I think Royal kind of stand back, brooding. Sir Roynar, would it be safe to assume that your last name is Karagark? Yes, ma'am. Is there anything you can tell me about this statue? I mean, we call ourselves a museum, yet we seem to be woefully bereft of much information. I would appreciate anything you could tell me. And you see her retrieve a small notebook from her robes. Well, I had no idea one of my ancestors was involved in, uh, really any heroic deeds that would have been recorded here. Um, but my ancestors were famed for their smithing. Uh, my father was very famous smith just on the western side of the Hezcocosa. People would travel from all over to get him to make weapons and magically imbued artifacts and... Those were skills passed down through generations with the Karagark name. Not knowing who this was specifically, uh, I really can't tell you that much more. Okay. Well, that still helps. That's, that's good information to know. Do you happen to know anything about the sword? Or are you left-handed as well? No, I'm not left-handed. Uh, I recognize the sword. It was a family heirloom that... We no longer have. Oh, that's... that's upsetting, I'm sure. Um, is there anything more you'd like to say about that, if you don't mind me prying? <clears throat> well, I mean, to be honest, I don't really know that much about it, but... It, it was stolen, actually. By someone with the same sigil as what's carved onto this statue. Oh. And you see her kind of drop the notebook a little bit. Maybe I... Maybe I'll leave that one off the record. I'd appreciate that. 
Of course. And she closes her notebook and, and tucks it away. Aunt May, my, my dad and my uncles might know more about this man through the Clan of the Crested Swarup. Aunt May looks at you. Well, um, just to correct you on a fine point, Cecilia, that lizard folk, if I'm correct, is not a male. Don't you see? Oh, shit. Don't you see the lizard titties? <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course. How did we miss those? They are humble. Itty bitty titty committee. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, well, I suppose I could talk to your father or your uncles, but they're very intimidating. Man, you and Stacy, you just need to get over that. Your family, your father in particular, is scary. (laughs) He's a badass, yeah. Proud of him. Well, maybe I could correspond with him a little bit. I could overcome that. I've... Fought demons now, so we have something in common. Yeah, you're a badass bitch, Aunt May. Why, thank you. Well, I feel like I could definitely use some sleep, and I feel like we should definitely sleep around this book, because who knows what's going to happen in the middle of the night tonight. You're free to stay here if you like, Um, and of course I would appreciate the company and protection, but if you have other things to go and visit, I understand. Um, I'm going to take my leave now and, and continue cleaning. And Aunt May departs. Bye, Aunt May. Thank you. Thank you. What do you guys think? What time of day is it right now? So it's the late afternoon. I'm thinking about 4.20. Blaze it. <laughs> We've got lots of hemp and rope, dude. I think we're set. <laughs> oh, man. The, setting records. The, the THC content in the rope is surprisingly high. <laughs> Same. G3's whole body's like a, a sick bong, man. Yeah. <laughs> Smoke out of my foot. <laughs> so, can G3, I guess while, while this was happening, he wasn't privy to the conversation because it sounded like Roynar kept it pretty, pretty discreet. Can he investigate this wall? Like, where was the hand trying to go? You know what I mean? Like, was it running away? He wants to get the full picture here just in case this is where these demon body parts are coming from. He doesn't want to get hit in the face with another demon body part. Of course. You can make an insight check or an investigation check, whatever you would prefer. Okay, he's gonna go ahead and do an investigation. And roll to 17. That's a solid investigation. G3. As one of the few humanoids, shall we say, that can be dismembered and still function, you get the distinct feeling that the hand was going up the wall in order to ambush or look over the book. The hand probably wouldn't have much luck trying to run away with the book because it's just a hand and it needed to use the fingers to crawl. So it's possible that this hand was just laying in wait to attack whoever was nearby, or act as a sentry. And thinking back to Cecilia's notes about the sort of ring of slime around the drain, it seems like it was indeed a clever ploy, but it's also possible that maybe it received instruction? Maybe there was some external factor that caused this creature to go and and be a sentry instead of just slipping down the drain and escaping altogether. Okay. 
you know, thinking through that thought process, he would go ahead and double check the drain because he doesn't want any more hands or feet or whatever come through again. So why don't you go ahead and give me a perception check on the drain? If anyone wants to help, they can give G3 advantage. I help. Cecilia's helping, but G3's got got this on lockdown with a uh, nat 20 for a total of 23. Wow. Well, let me tell you everything you could possibly glean. What is this demon's social security number? <laughs> uh, 69420! 1, 2, 3, 69, 420, and fuck the last numeral, we don't need it. Examining the floor, you can see that the drain is no larger than a foot in diameter. Many creatures really couldn't get their way through the grate unless they had the ability to compress themselves. But what you find more interesting, G3, is that you notice, one, looking through the drain, looking down through with what little bit of light you can see, there appears to be multiple levels of stone beneath the drain. Perhaps stairs? To confirm your suspicion, you see that the stone that surrounds the drain in a, we'll say a five foot by 10 foot rectangle appears to be more recently installed than the rest of the floor, making it seem like perhaps this drain and this extra stone was put to block off a stairway. Hmm. Uh, G3 would kind of signal towards the group and get their attention. Party members, I think I found something curious. And he'll gesture down to these, this covered up stairwell. That's weird, G3. Perhaps after a long rest, we investigate this. Maybe we will find the answers we look for. I agree. Uh, G3 does want to block this off. So he's going to, I don't know, pick something and just put it over I it. I can't something remember heavy. if you and Aunt May I think did put. I think we would have tried. They had. They had. They they put something over the top of it, yeah. They like pushed a desk or something. I mean, I mean, there's no there's no reason that like if the the hand was busting out of the box on its own, there couldn't have been other activity to like shift that around. Yeah, um, that's fair. So that could be something that sticks out to you, Cecilia. Like that's that's weird that there's not something on the on the drain like you remember. Yeah, I should have listened to episode two. God damn it. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, he's just going to make sure it's real secure now knowing that this is a possible point of entry. Seeing that the wooden desk was slightly gnawed through and, and shifted, you think maybe something sturdier, maybe something of stone should be placed there instead. With Aunt May's permission, you manage to grab a pretty sturdy pedestal and you slide this heavy stone pedestal over the grate, blocking it. A feat which only someone of your stature and strength could perform. Yeah, it seems like it's going to be worthwhile going down into the sewers. I mean, that's where apparently those worm creatures came from. And if these demonic beings are crawling up from out of there too, it might be worth taking a look. And it might help you solve your missing persons thing too, maybe. G3 nods in agreement. All right. So now... Let's step out of the roleplay, and let's talk player to player for a moment. 
shall we? You all want to have a long rest here in this space? Yes. 100%. So maybe for a little bit of simplicity's sake, why don't you guys take your miniatures and place them where you would like your character to rest? Now that you've placed your miniatures where you want them to be, let's go ahead and describe for the listener where your character is going to rest for the next eight hours. We'll start with G3. Where will you be? Concerned about the grate, he's going to post up and enter Windows 95 screensaver maze (laughs) um, in front of the drain. All right, so G3, you are resting by the drain. And also for the listener and for you as well, Warforged only need four hours of rest to consider it a long rest. Tums, where will you be staying? Tom's would situate himself in a back corner if he could. That's a great stay. So it looks like your token is nestled between the wall and the half-orc statue in the eastern wing. Yeah. Okay. Roy Nar, where would you be staying for the evening? So Roy is going to position himself uh, in the corridor between the eastern wing and the central chamber so that he has a fairly good vantage point of both the sewer grate and the book, and he's just going to kind of spread himself out there. And Cecilia, where would you like to rest this evening? I'm going to be coiled around the base of the um, lizard folk statue next to the book. Okay. With my, like, eyes, my face facing towards the book. Okay. Sounds like a plan. Are G3 and Roy going to cuddle? <laughs> if you want. I don't know. He just moved back over there. We're not opposed to it. What is Aunt May doing? She's cleaning? Yeah, Aunt May is in the front room as well. Uh, After taking her damaged desk back to the proper place in the entryway, um, she will just kind of hang back by there. Just curious, did the reinforcements I called for ever uh, show up? I I can't remember what, what he said about it. Like, I just listened to that and I can't remember it. Well... I say it is a serious matter for the law that there is undead in the city. Demons! Fuck! (laughs) That there has been reports of undead in the city. But it is also known that it is a pain in the ass to get the paperwork done. So, Roynar, I'm going to want a bare d20 roll. If you roll 10 or below, there will be no reinforcements. If you roll 11 or above... There may be reinforcements. Roy got a 14. All right. It is 420 uh, when you all decide to take your rest. About four hours later, G3, your little Windows 98 maze finally makes a loop and it disappears. You see something in your mind's eye. Another dream-like quality. You see this large spectral being with the silver and gold filigree. And it stands there, looking at you. G3, I think, would stand and uh, look back curiously, but kind of wait for it to take the first move. As you wait and wait and wait, this figure makes no motion or any moves until eventually it lifts its arm and it points. Suddenly you hear knocking on a door. And you are brought forth from your sleep mode. And you see a figure in the dark knocking feverishly upon the door to the museum. 
You see Aunt May sitting in her office chair. It has been reclined. Her arms have fallen over the sides, and she is snoring loudly. <laughs> and she is conked out. Uh, G3 would cautiously then head towards the front door. Are there any, like, peepholes or anything, a little mail slot he can look through? Yeah, the doors are primarily glass. Oh. Yeah, there's. it's kind of like there are large glass panes in the front door. So probably about up to hip height, it's wood, and then there's a glass pane. And as you silently clomp over to the front door, you see a figure in chainmail, and you notice the emblazoned symbol of the law, the skeletal fist clutching scales. It appears to be what you know as a water genasi. A person whose skin is as dark as the sea in a storm. Their hair a shade lighter than seaweed and much less disgusting. They're knocking on the door and as they see you approach their eyes widen, but their nerves are steeled as you approach. Uh, recognizing this as a member of the law, G3 would go ahead and open the door, but rather than let him in, he would step outside to converse uh, with this Genasi, because he doesn't want the rest of the group to get awoken or startled. As you step outside, the Genasi looks over his shoulders, concerned. Hey, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, Lin I'm Limden. Um, I'm a cleric. Uh, can I go inside? I'm not supposed to be here. Greetings, Limden. I see you're a member of the law. What business do you have here? Shh, be quiet, be quiet, okay? Like I just said, I'm not supposed to technically be here. I was sent here by Sir Calipan Greaves, okay? But they couldn't get the paperwork through, so he sent me covertly. You must be G3. I am. Uh, stranger? Uh, what can I help you with? My name is Limden. Like Linden, but with an M. But you just told me you don't want me to use your name because you're not supposed to be here. No, you're not supposed to say the law. Oh. You're not supposed to say that. Greetings, Linden. How can I help you? Okay, can we go inside, please? <laughs> but I do have to ask if you'll be quiet. We fought large monsters, and everyone is very wounded and rusting. But if you can keep your voice down, you can come inside. Linden looks like panicked. Yeah, that's fine. I'll be quiet. I'll be- that's fine. I'll be quiet. Just please, let me inside. I don't like going against protocols. <laughs> G3 goes ahead and, like, opens the door and gestures him in. And Limden hurries his way inside, and once the door is closed, he, like, sits down below the level of the windows, and he whispers to you, All right, all right, so I heard that there was undead troubles over here. Yes, undead Demons? It's a real mystery out here. Wait, undead or demons? Because they're different. I know. I don't know. <laughs> it's a mystery. <laughs> We're still trying to figure it out. Limden looks down, super flustered. All right, so I'm breaking protocol here, and you don't even know if they're undead or if they're demons. Well, this, this is just... This is no good. This is no good. Is there anyone I can talk to who knows properly? Limden, this is an ongoing investigation. We'll figure it out. <laughs> I love G3. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and make a persuasion. Uh, G3 rolled a nine for persuasion <laughs> against Linden. Okay. Linden looks at you and goes, Look, 
I don't like going against protocol here. Okay? Now, I heard that there was undead. Undead is my specialty. Okay, so if there's not undead, I'm a little concerned. Is there anyone who can tell me what the hell we're dealing with here? So, Lemden, if there are demons, you are okay with that? No. No. I do not specialize in demonology at all. I am undead strictly, okay? This was supposed to be a... <laughs> now he's going Canadian. <laughs> when I get stressed, I turn into a Canadian, okay? Now, this year is not okay there, but I'm sorry, but it's not okay. Um, <laughs> sorry, stop. <laughs> do Linden's agitation start waking us up? Uh, yeah, does Aunt May or something? Let's see. Okay, so Limden, for his stealth roll, gets a critical fail. <laughs> so he goes, no, no, demons are way out of my field. God damn it. No, no. Demons are way out of my field, okay? I am not okay with that. This is not, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go. So at this point, has Roynar woken up? Everybody hears this guy yelling out loud. And Roynar, you recognize this voice slightly. He's a kind of uh, a stuffy cleric. You can't remember his name, but you know that he usually, you know, he's uh, he's a boy scout, for lack of a better term. I think with uh, G3 hearing all this noise, he would uh, look over to Roynar and uh, say, Roy, sorry for awaking you, but... One of your colleagues not from the law is here. <laughs> a little bit nonplussed at that. Uh, Roy will get up, and he can't quite remember this cleric's name, so he's going to go, Hey, uh, sport. Uh, now, I know there were maybe some reports that there were undead activity. Maybe it turns out that there's some demon activity. That is what it is, but you're probably better equipped than at least I am. And the big metal man is here to deal with this. So why don't you just cool off a little bit and, uh, you know, take a look around. Make a persuasion check. Roy got a five to persuasion. Sir Roynar Karagark, I told your companion here I was not okay with dealing with undead. Okay. I, or, no, wait. Demon. Oh, no, I'm getting all sorts of frazzled. Look at what you've done to me. I'm Canadian, and I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and Linden starts crying. <laughs> okay, so at this point, Tom, Tom's is roused, and, and maybe he saunters over, and and I, start, I, I inquire. I'm like, uh, so you're, like, really into semantics, then? Because I've had this question burning... In the back of my head, uh, and this is maybe an attempt to like distract him, settle him down. <laughs> is a hot dog a sandwich? And uh, this cleric wipes his eyes. Um, I I figure it's a piece of it's a piece of meat that's in between bread, but a sandwich has two different pieces of bread. But the bun, if it's connected, means that it's just one piece of bread. So. Technically, a hot dog is a flatbread. A hot dog's a flatbread? What? So is a hoagie a flatbread? If a hoagie <laughs> is connected on one side, it's a flatbread. It's like a pita. But, Mr. Sport, 
would you consider then a hot dog and a hoagie a taco? Well, I still figure a tortilla is a kind of flatbread. And so a taco is still a flatbread. I think that depends on your definition of sandwiches and flatbreads and all these things. I think that the important thing is is that it's all foods that you eat and it's ready to eat. And uh, I think maybe where I'm going with this is, uh, what's the big deal? Like a demon, undead, sandwich, <laughs> taco, flatbread? <laughs> Same deal. Okay, go ahead and make a uh, make a persuasion roll, please, Tums. A twenty-two. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, maybe I haven't convinced him that there's not a difference between the two, but I, I hope that I've at least settled him down. Well, settled him down, you definitely have. You pulled his attention away from his anxieties, and now he is questioning his entire reality, uh, just like me. You know, the, the thing is, is I could really go for a hot dog right now, or a flatbread, really anything sandwich-like. Yeah, I, I think a sandwich would be great. I, I would love a sandwich, too. At this point, Cecilia's gonna clamber up on all fours, like, right up in his face. Oh! What's all this talk about sandwiches? Who the fuck are you? My name's Limden. Oh, Limden. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm here uh, on behest of Sir Calatan, but I'm technically not uh, supposed to be here. Okay, what are you here for? I'm here because uh, Sir Roinar Karagark called about undead, and now I realize that they're demons, and that's not my specialty. So, yes, that was my fault. I was saying undead, but in my mind, I was talking about demons. And very embarrassing on my part. Um, very infuriating, actually. I'm very pissed off about it. Okay. But anyway, so you know nothing about... On uh, demons here. Well, I wouldn't say I know nothing. I just say my speciality is undead. And much like the taco flatbread sandwich conversation, I guess demons and devils and undead are all part of the the netherworld sandwich of the lower planes. Is there someone who would know better than you back at the office? Absolutely. Okay, well, maybe you should go get that guy instead of you. I was a bit of a last hope. Cecilia, please wait. I think this is a good opportunity for Mr. Limden Sport to diversify his portfolio of knowledge. All right, fine. I shove him my book. Hey, I think there's like a demon book next. Oh, no, you don't need that book. No, fuck that book. That book is off limits. You trying to get our homie incinerated here, right? I'm going to shove my book, Cecilia's book, about demons, devils, and the undead, which I got during my initiation for Clan of the Crested Suaro. I'm going to shove it in his chest and be like, read up! And then I'm going to go back and sleep around the statue again. Okay, okay. And, and he takes it and he sees your journal. What does your journal look like? Just curious. Um, it's black leather with red, um, writing, like silver red writing. Mm -hmm. Um, and it just says demons, devils, and undead. And then, um, each like category is like demons are gold, devils are silver, and undead are just black. Like, so it's like three chunks in the book that you can easily like flip through. Um, and it just talks about, like, the differences between all of them, and Cecilia's just too pissed off that she fucked up the words that she, like, doesn't even want to engage with this guy because I'm pissed off, so she goes okay. and sleeps. He takes your black leather journal, and he finds a comfortable place to sit. Is there any way we can get sandwiches? Wait, you didn't bring sandwiches? No. 
The law is not a sandwich-making place, okay? We're supposed to be enforcers of the balance of life and death. We don't make hoagies. Yeah, but you gotta eat. Yeah. This is bullshit. (laughs) And Limden just looks defeated. I think hearing that the group is a little little hungry, G3's gonna try and stealth off to get sandwiches. Okay. I want you to roll stealth. Oh, that's happening. And... (laughs) G3 is critically failed, but thankfully has a plus one, so he got a two to stealth. So there is no way that you have possibly escaped unseen. Yeah, just as everybody starts kind of getting themselves to a, uh, a place to go to bed, you clomp over to the front doors and push them open. And yeah, G3, I guess, uh, we don't have to RP this if you don't want to, but he would just go on a... A late night food run, I guess, to wherever. I think it's very important that we RP your sandwich run. Okay, well, let's let's do this then. Is Aunt May going to say anything about maybe not going out in the middle of the dark night? It's only like 8 p.m. right now. It's like 8.20, so. As you go to depart the Barazlase Point Museum, Aunt May stirs in her office chair. She had not woken up at any point, even during Limden's outburst. Um, G- G3, where are you going? Oh. <laughs> Greetings, Aunt May. I was going to get sandwiches for the group as a surprise. But it appears my stealth is not as good as I thought it was. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Wait, who's that guy in the corner? Oh, that is L- Mr. Limden Sport. He does not work for the law, but he is very knowledgeable. In Undead. Um, okay. Do you really think it's the wisest decision to go and get sandwiches right now? Is there even a place open? I guess eight, yeah. I think that's what G3 would ask. Is there a good location to procure sandwiches at this time in the evening? Should I gotta make up a sandwich shop. Hagar's hoagies. 24-7 service, baby. Well, um, there's hungry Hagar's hoagies, um, down the street... I suppose you could also go back to the the angry gut. They're also open. Are you sure you need to go, though? I, I don't need to, but I think it would be a fun surprise for everyone. Okay, uh, can I get the Supreme Italian sandwich, please? Of course. Do you enjoy pepperoncinis? I hear people don't like those. I love it all dressed, thank you. You've got it, Aunt May. All right, um... I'm gonna, I'm gonna lock the door behind you. How will I get back in? (laughs) Knock? Good plan. (laughs) All right. All right. Best of luck, G3. Uh, G3 is going to think he's being stealthy and quietly, with a natural one, head out the door. All right. You clomp off, slamming the door behind you, noisily clomping down the cobbles and into the street. You walk around the museum, and it is still quite a spectacular sight, even in the evening. You can see that there are, there is torchlight coming out from the stained glass windows, which is now casting multicolored reflections upon the cobbles in the street. You head to Hungry Hagar's Hoagies, where you see a large wet-looking cephalopod-type character 
behind a bar. He has a chef hat on, and in one of his eight tentacled arms, he has a cleaver and a, uh, a bread knife. And he looks at you, and in your mind, he says, Hello. Would you like a sandwich? So he doesn't say this out loud, it's in my mind. Correct. Uh, G3 would then think to himself, Greetings. Are you the esteemed sandwich artist, Hagar? I have been called many names throughout the eons, but Hagar is one of them. I do make sandwiches from beyond the veil. Excellent. I have quite a large order tonight, but I would like to start with the Italian Supreme, fully dressed. This can be done. Excellent. <laughs> is this a is this a mind flayer sandwich artist? Like, is that? <laughs> I would like to say that his form, not humanoid in any way, not necessarily like a mind flayer, but definitely looks like a giant kind of squid-like creature. And sorry, no, you're fine. I didn't mean to break. Nah. I didn't mean to break RP. I was just the like, listener needs to know, okay. <laughs> right? Okay. G three also needs to know. <laughs> and so uh, Hagar starts like using his many arms, and he pulls out bread, cuts it open, puts down the sauces, the oil, the vinegar, the the capicola, the salami, the lettuce, tomatoes, all this stuff. He starts making sandwiches. And in your mind you hear, How is your night going? Uh, G3, not much one for small talk, just thinks to himself, Wow, he is so efficient. I have been making sandwiches since before time ever existed. All I have known is sandwiches and the artistry of deli work. Then G3 thinks to himself, Oh, shit. He can hear my thoughts. I can. As much a blessing as it is a curse. I hope it is no intrusion. G3 then kind of thinks to himself, Is it an intrusion if I have nothing to hide? Perhaps not. Though it could still be so. Even if you are free from guilt or shame, it doesn't necessarily mean that you want someone poking around your personal business. G3 kind of tilts his head to one side. That would have been a very helpful skill, because I forgot to get everyone else's sandwich orders. (laughs) I can offer today's special if you like. That would be excellent. I will be needing four additional sandwiches. Fantastic. I know your kind does not much desire the needs of sandwichery, sandwichcraft, but would you like something to activate your mandibles construct? I'm not quite sure what you mean, but I would be delighted to take part in your artistry. Fantastic. And so, with much, <laughs> with no more delay, uh, Hungry Hagar whips up the sandwiches that you need, and efficiently he bags them and hands them to you. Thank you, Hagar. 
It was a pleasure to meet you. And uh, he goes ahead and pays. It was a pleasure to meet you. And your guardian as well. Do they have a name? They gave me no more name than Stormborn. Curious. I will have to reflect on this. Thank you. Reflect indeed. Your kind last eons much like my own. You will find much time for reflection. Anyway, have a good night. Thank you for your business. You as well, Hagar. Good evening. And then G3 picks up his bags and uh, doesn't stealth his way out the door. (laughs) All right. G3, on your way back to the Barazlase Point Museum, will you please make a perception? Yeah. G3 rolled a 22 to perception. As you make it close to the alleyway, where you encountered the guards extorting the old woman, you see two figures in the alleyway. One appears to have somewhat feline features, a long slender tail and and cat-like ears that protrude from a deep hood. The other appears to be a strong-looking humanoid, also cloaked, but suddenly with a swirl of somewhat luminescent purple energy, this strong form that you would expect to be a humanoid male starts to shrink into that of a more feeble, older-looking humanoid before they start crawling back into the sewer. Creepy. The cat-like figure sees you and darts away into the shadows. Uh, G3 is currently on a very important mission, so he takes note of this, but doesn't want to engage them alone. Wise. Uh, he's going to kind of take it all in and take mental notes. Was that magic? Did that by chance have the same color as the thread? Yes. G3's going to kind of take this in, but wants to take this this and the sandwiches uh, back to the party. So he's going to make his way back to the museum. You knock on the door, and Aunt May opens it for you somewhat sleepily. She graciously accepts her uh, Italian Supreme before unwrapping it on her desk, and she starts eating it. Thank you, G3, for the sandwich. I didn't realize how much I needed it. Of course, Aunt May. I find that biological beings need sustenance, yet they tend to sometimes forget. We sure do. A silly thing it is. And it's probably been, what, like an hour, maybe? That everyone's been asleep? Probably just shy of an hour. The whole time, uh, Tom's is just, he's been like a kid at camp that can't fall asleep. And I, I guess he's closest to Roy. So he's just been like whispering at Roy, like, Hey, Roy, wait, you know how they was talking about lizard boobs? Like, why do lizard folks got boobs? Because cause lizards don't got boobs. You never, you never got like lizard milk or newt milk or... Chameleon milk, right? So, <laughs> why, why the lizard folks got boobs? And Cecilia, like, can't help but over here, and we're like, because we're ladies, so shut the fuck up and go to sleep. <laughs> oh, well, you ever seen a, you ever seen a centaur? Where, where do babies get the milk, though? Is it under the centaur, or from the front of the centaur? As, as this babbling has, uh, progressed, Roy was humoring him at first, with... Albeit short, but answers. And now at this point, you just see Roy curled up on a ball, covering his ears, <laughs> just trying to get a modicum of rest from 
the prattlings of the goblin. Uh, does, I guess now Tums would maybe smell sandwiches at this point? Since, like, it's been an hour? At this point, you hear the door close, and you hear Aunt May talking to someone, and the familiar voice of G3. So, I, I guess I'd go over, see what's up. Oh, thank God he's gone. Oh, a little bit of peace and quiet. Yeah, G3 would see Tums come around the corner. Greetings, Marksman. Hey, how's it going, G3? Uh, what you got there? I thought I would surprise you all with sandwiches. Oh, thank you. So kind, G3. Uh, let me help you. And maybe I, I can I can help deliver sandwiches to people. Yeah, G3 just, just hands him the whole bag since he doesn't really know much about sandwiches, despite having to meet the sandwich master of the universe. Yeah, I, I guess I would go and leave sandwiches at everybody, but before I leave Lemden's, I'd break it in half and keep half of Lemden's sandwich in my, my postal bag. <laughs> he gets half a sandwich. Is Tums is Tums uh, sneaky about this, or does G3 see this? Make a sleight of hand, Tums. And G3, you may make an active perception if you like. I think G3 would just do passive perception because... He doesn't expect Tums to do this, you know what I mean? Well, uh, yeah, Tums rolled a 13. 13 to, to slide a hand. G3 has a 13 in passive perception. You hear this toasted special sub get cracked. <laughs> and you look to see Tums kind of finagling with a sandwich. <laughs> G3 is going to glare at Tums. Just enjoying what you brought over. Thank you, G3. And <laughs> he's like, yeah, distributing. <laughs> Okay. G3 will remember this. <laughs> As Tubbs delivers the sandwich to Roy, uh, Roy would say, You know, I heard a pub crier talking about hot dogs. Apparently every one of those you eat takes 30 minutes off your life. You should think about that. You ever thought about what the last 30 minutes of your life might be like? What if the last 30 minutes of your life, you're, you're pinned under a boulder? <laughs> Do you want to be alive that extra 30 minutes? I don't think so. <sighs> so hot dogs every day. Hot dogs. <laughs> I I don't think that's quite how it works. I would say if Tums like hands the sandwich to me, I'm going to take it with my mouth and just like chomp it like wrapper and all, just down the hatch, mm. just extremely close to Tums's hands, like just letting him know that like I have sharp teeth, bitch. <laughs> okay, and I guess I give do I give Lemden his his half sandwich? Oh, uh, uh, thank you. And, and he takes the sandwich, and he's not even really, like, looking at you. He kind of fumbles at the sandwich and grabs it. He's very invested in this book. And as he takes a bite, he's like, huh, did you know that devils were, like, mm, evil lawyers? Focus on the demons. And now that everyone has been sandwiched up. Wait, didn't G3 get a special construct sandwich? Uh, G3 hasn't eaten it yet. He's He's kind of stashed it away. All right. Well, you can add that to your inventory. You can put a, uh, you can put in Warforged sub. Sure, it wouldn't be a Construct Sando. <laughs> I think Construct Sando is probably better. Okay, that's what it's going to be. Construct combo. Oh, <laughs> there you go. The cold Construct combo. The cold co- Construct combo Sando. <laughs> it's a real mouthful. It is. It's a big sandwich. And so, with everyone being sandwiched up and somewhat nourished, you. Continue the rest of your rest. Whose passive perception is 13 or higher? Me. Roy's as well. Yeah, okay. yeah G3 is 13. 12. Right about midnight. Well, After our eight hours. Yep, we're going to say you guys have fully rested. After your eight hours, you hear a creaking and then what sounds like a bundle of papers 
fall in the western hallway. Hmm. Who wants to investigate it? <laughs> oh, Roy's been buoyed by the Sando and the eight-hour rest, so back to full health. Uh, he is going to move over in that direction and bring a lit torch with him. G3 would go ahead and back him up. Cecilia's gonna just be on high alert in front of the pedestal. So, Roynar and G3, as you start to enter into the western hallway, you see a bundle of papers, magazines maybe, at the far end of the hallway. Nothing else? Nothing else. Roy would just cautiously make his way towards the papers. Do these papers have anything on them that's recognizable? Is this better gnomes and gilfs, or what is this? (laughs) Oh, geez. As you approach this bundle of papers, you see the cover say... Githyanki gilfs. And it looks like it is a pile of porno mags. And as Roy looks down and registers it, he's going to look up at G3 and he's going to say, Do they have this kind of thing for metal people too? You slide one of the magazines out of the way, you see half-orc hotties. You slide another one, and you see warforged waifus. (laughs) And then, uh, Roy, you hear a single metal ding. Cecilia, so as you hear the twang of a bowstring and Uh a thunk, Uh kind of the sound of an arrow impacting wood Uh in the main hallway, suddenly from all the torch sconces, a magical red light emanates like a signal. And you hear, warning, warning, warning. And as the alarms go off, you hear a mechanism click on both sides of the main hall. And suddenly, steel bars descend in the hallways, cordoning off the west and the eastern wings from the main room, locking you all inside the wings. Ah, shit! Cecilia and Tums, inside of the eastern wing, you see a live feline humanoid figure clutching a bow. And you hear him say, let me get the book and no one has to get hurt. In your dreams, motherfucker. Now whip out my swords, my short swords. Okay. Am I visible in my corner? You are are visible. And Tums, as you look up to this feline figure, he tosses a magazine at you. And it says, better gnomes and goblins. And he looks at you and he says, what do you see? Uh, better gnomes and goblins. And from under his hood, you see the glint of a feline smirk. His sharp teeth glimmering in the red light. And he says, you could be of use to me. Is this the guy from the bar? Would I recognize him from the bar? I would say yes. Okay. Hey, you you were in the tavern. I I saw you before. You You were reading... We read this there before. I could see you eyeing the book. And not for the usual reasons. And knocking an arrow and drawing his bowstring back pointed at Cecilia. He says, I'll say one more time. Let me have the book. And no one needs to be hurt. Uh, part of me wants to like have him grab it and then disintegrate. But I bet he knows that that's a thing. So what instead I'm going to do... Is I'm going to... We're going to actually end it there. We're <sighs> we're at an hour and 20. So with that, we are going to end today's session. Anime! Anime! <laughs>
Aunt May! Aunt May? Okay. Man, everybody's shit. It's intertwined. It's all come together. (laughs) (laughs) What a rich tapestry. This was all so good. Sorry about the Sando tangent. No. (laughs) I was secretly hoping someone would come with me so it wouldn't be me by myself, but... That was better. It, uh... I have so many questions about... The franchising of an interdimensional, (laughs) non-linear... Right? ...sandwich shop. That, That reminded me of, um... The space dandy with the the space ramen. Yep. Where he's like an interdimensional <laughs> space ramen guy. Yeah. And that's all he's been doing is making ramen for perpetuity. <laughs> I love sprinkling in a little Lovecraftian weirdness in there. I like that he's like yeah, definitely the most intriguing character at like the shittiest job. It's <laughs> like oh, I work at like a haunted museum, and then he's just like I'm really good at sandwiches and can speak into your mind. <laughs> I have known nothing but sandwiches for an eternity. <laughs> I, I know your desires. You don't want mayo, you want horseradish. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I didn't know I wanted that, but I did. <laughs> he doesn't ask you if the bread should be toasted, he just gives it to you the way that you, he know you want it. Yeah. Absolutely. I feel like um, it's a lot of like action for one episode and then like character building and then action for another episode and then character building. I think that's a pretty good balance. I think there was a nut like there's a little touch of action with yeah. the uh with the hand falling down on G3's face. Mm-hmm. I like that you're like I'm going to shave him off. <laughs> and then you slice it too. <laughs> yeah. We rolled a lot of stuff over 20. Let me just say. Right? Like holy fucking yeah. shit. And a lot of ones. And a lot of ones. <laughs> Tums is a marksman. Like, yeah. every time. Like, without fail. It's been pretty sweet. That is cool. I'm sure that's streakful. I'm using it all up now. Well, well, let's hope it doesn't end anytime soon. Alright, do you guys have any theories so far? I'm just curious. Uh, well, when you described the feline figure slinking away into the sewer, I thought maybe that was Aunt May, and that's why she was so, like, gung-ho about, like, don't leave. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um... Not my Aunt yeah. May. No, so no. Now the feline figure out there is either the feline figure in here or the feline or Aunt May. Given what happened in the alley right after we saved that woman and the fact that there was another creepy looking old woman that G3 just saw, I significantly regret the decision to help that woman um, because she seems yeah, to get as fuck. I know, but hindsight. What are we going to shit on all grandmas because they might oh, be shapeshifters oh. involved in stealing people? That's what. <laughs> and I, I'd just like to add <laughs> to, to the Aunt May business, if there is shapeshifters about, it's not unfounded that Aunt May would be a shapeshifter inside. Just, just putting out. Okay. Don't you dare fuck with Aunt May. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a significant portion of the next episode is going to be Tums and Cecilia in this like action-packed fucking like battle scene, and then the other portion is just going to be Roy and G three like bumbling their way through trying to get out of this room. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't take the bait. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say it was going to be. Cut back to Roy and G3 fumbling through porno max. (laughs) (laughs) It might be that too, you know, depending on how, like, unlucky we are getting the door open. Like a couple of grade schoolers that found the magic (laughs) (laughs) Right. 
<laughs> we try the gate and we're like, well, I guess we're stuck. Can you hand me that one? Uh, I guess we're stuck. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go hide behind <laughs> the statue real quick. All right. Well, um, I think this is a fine time to call it. That was good. So yeah, that's fun. Let's go ahead and and do that. Yeah. Hey folks, hope you enjoyed the episode. This one was a real blast to record. Cecilia and Royn R face the consequences of a semantic slip. G3 gets to talk to an immortal squid who specializes in sandwich craft. And Tums calms down a flustered cleric after the party gives him a hard time. Finally, the tabaxi thief breached the museum and has come for the Kota Danav. Will the party let him have it? Tune in next time to find out. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe. Better yet, take a moment to share with a friend. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Reddit. The links are in the episode notes. Want to tell us how much you liked the episode? Or how foolish I was to forget the desk that Cecilia and Aunt May put over the drain? Well, we here at the Tavern want to hear from you. Write a review, send us an email, or message us on Facebook or Instagram. We will begin reading your letters and reviews on air when they start coming in. So don't hesitate to reach out. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Reddit, Twitter for more fun stuff and updates. You can visit our website, www.tavernsquad.com, to see more about the world we're building and learn a little bit more about the squad. Our intro song is Briefcase Number 1, performed by Tartanic. Our intro speech is written and performed by Lou Fox. Other artists that provided music and sound effects are the RPG music maker, Travis Savoye, and Carl Casey from White Bat Audio. You can find links to their content and other contributors' content in the show notes. With that, the last call has been made, the tavern is closing, you don't have to go home, but you might like craft sandwich. Just the best quality, like Quiznos on crack. Toodaloo.